On today's show, the Hawks fall to the Brooklyn Nets in a close-fought battle, to say the least. We'll touch on all of what transpired in this game and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1604 of the Lot of Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use promo code LOT.NBA for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. And I should also tell you at the top of the podcast, as I always do on the show, to make us your first listen here each and every day at Lot on Hawks, checking us out and subscribing across podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. And today's show, We'll focus on what became a very, very narrow loss for the Hawks, 114 to 113 at home to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, this is their fourth loss in the last five games. The Hawks now fall two games below 500 at nine and 11 for the first time since they were 0 and 2 this season. It's kind of this is a weird game all the way around, as we'll probably come back to numerous times on this show. Also, it was the first Hawks home game in two full weeks, and they actually faced Brooklyn in that game as well. Hilariously, it was the first road game for the Nets since then. So some synergy there, uh, obviously completely opposite schedules and more favorable to the Nets in a lot of ways. But the folks at FanDuel did favor the Hawks in this game by three and a half points at home. These are very similar teams in terms of quality right now. They have very similar metrics. And because the Hawks were at home, they were slight favorites. But I mean, this this game was a, essentially about as close as a game can be without going to overtime. There was no lead of larger than seven points for the ear team in the entire game. And this is a crazy stat. There were 43 lead changes in the game in addition to 11 ties that does not happen that that is a crazy amount of lead changes and back and forth and fittingly the game flipped back and forth in the final minutes final seconds even with trey young and mikhail bridges trading baskets and then trey young came up empty on what became a controversial no call in the final possession for the hawks to lose by one at home so if you're a new listener welcome aboard and if you're a recurring listener also welcome back to the podcast what we'll do now is sort of go big picture on what we saw in this game and then we'll sort of drill down as the podcast goes along and then we'll end with some player-by-player player breakdowns of the guys who appeared in this game. And uh, weirdly, this is kind of a slog of an offensive game, which was honestly pretty shocking given the way these two teams have played both this season and also how they played in the first matchup a couple weeks ago where the score was in the 140s, 150s. And honestly, I'll just say this, the Hawks had one of their worst offensive games of the season so far in this game. and still almost won. It was not the worst, but probably, probably solidly in the bottom five of the 20 games when it comes to the Hawks' offense in this contest, especially with their final numbers. And Brooklyn played decent defensively, I will say. But Atlanta ended up with about a 109 offensive rating in this spot. And um, it was lower than that until the fourth quarter. So the Hawks were right there in terms of being in this game, but it was not pretty in terms of the offense. They were in the 29th percentile in terms of their shooting efficiency in this game. Um, They were 45% from the field and 12 of 35 from three in this contest. And that was with five of 10 from three in the fourth quarter. So they were actually seven of 25 um, heading into the fourth. They were one of seven on corner threes in the game, which is a brutal number, both in low attempts, but also especially in missing all of them. Not enough rim attempts, not enough frequency and and accuracy at the rim. Offensively, the best part they had in this game, other than just individual performances, was getting out in transition where they did a good job. They had 18 fast break points and they were generally effective when they were able to run. Um, But in the half court, they were brutal. They had an 88 Offensive rating in the half court. And that means they're scoring 
less than 0.9 points per possession. That is not going to get it done for an offense first team that the Hawks are. We'll talk about all the individual stuff later on. Guys played well. Certain guys played well. I thought Sadiq Bay gave him a lot offensively. Trey had a pretty solid Trey game. Uh, Bogey had a nice stretch off the, off the bench at one point. But they were not particularly, you know, it, let's just say fantastic on offense in this one. It was pretty middling, and uh, that ended up costing them down the stretch. Uh, defensively, they were actually good in this game, honestly, by their standards. And look, no one is saying, including me, that the Hawks are good defensively. They're not. They, they've been brutal this season on, on defense. That's not a secret. Um, and there's a little bit of a curve with, with, with me saying they were good on, on defense in this game. But look, they were they were pretty effective defensively by anyone's standards until the final eight minutes or so. Uh, but ended up with a 112 defensive rating. That is good enough for the Hawks to win most of the time. They usually score well above that against anyone. And on tonight's game, they, did, they just didn't do that. Uh, Mikhail Bridges was the hero for Brooklyn in this game. He is with 32 points on 19 shots. He actually was 5-6 in the fourth quarter, made some huge ones. Um, there was one breakdown that we'll come back to later on where he gave up a pretty easy layup late in the game. But other than that, it was some tough shot making. You know, Bridges and Dimwitty, they made some tough shots, and the Hawks were at least attentive enough. And for the full game, they held Brooklyn to below average shooting. They rebounded the ball very well on defense, which has been a problem area since Jalen Johnson's injury. And after a bunch of fouls in the first quarter, the Hawks settled in Stop getting them, stop putting them on the line repeatedly. And in a game this close, though, I will say um, you could point to the disparity of your point shooting. Uh, Brooklyn had been hot in the first half. They cooled off a little bit from three, but we're still 41% from three-point range on a modest level of attempts. The Hawks were 34%. Not a huge swing, but certainly Brooklyn was the better three-point shooting team in this game, which is always uh, interesting to kind of keep in mind in a game that was as close as this one was. The Nets did a pretty good job getting to getting to the rim, but the Hawks did a pretty good job stopping them as well in terms of like their efficiency there. Um, I thought Snyder talked about this before the game and also after the game a little bit. The Hawks were better in getting back defensively. That's been a struggle of theirs all year long, but especially in the last couple of games. And I thought they were pretty attentive getting back in transition in this game, which actually led to some pretty good results containing the ball, etc. And I thought, you know, in general, the Hawks were pretty good at containing the ball uh, even in the half court in this game. Now, in the fourth quarter, that was a little bit worse. Um, they allowed the Nets to kind of get to their spots, especially Dinwiddie and Bridges, number one on that list. Um, Bridges is someone who doesn't really like to pass. Not that he's a terrible passer, but he's, he's more, much more of a guy who wants to get to his mid-range jump shot. And while he made some tough ones, the Hawks kind of allowed him to get to that shot uh, probably too many times and a little bit too, too much comfort in the middle of the floor, which hurt them. But uh, look, And we'll come back to this too later on in the show. But the Hawks also won this game when they – when they actually had their stars on the floor. That's just the way I'll put that. Um, it was not a huge disparity, but on a night when all five starters have positive plus minuses, you're not supposed to lose. And the Hawks lost. Um, and, you know, the bench didn't get absolutely annihilated or anything, but that's kind of where they lost this game on the margins. You know, Brooklyn's bench, um, every single guy, Brooklyn's bench was at least plus five in this game. All of the Hawks bench guys, other than Wes Matthews, were at least minus six. And that's a little bit of, you know, it's anecdotal, but anytime, you know, Trey sat or, you know, especially when Bay and Hunter sat at times, um, it was uh, advantage nets in this game. So, look, uh, I am I know people kind of always assume I'm, I'm going to say it wasn't a bad loss. And look, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go the other way. I've said this a number of times this year so far. The Hawks don't really have a bunch of bad losses this season. And that is uh, something that I think is worthy of talking about. But um, I'll go the other way. The Hawks don't really have a lot of great wins either. And, you know, they've, they've played down their competition. I know that in recent uh, in recent days, this is not always a perfect indicator, but the Hawks have been really, really bad against the spread 
in the last 10, 12 games. And again, I'm not saying this is it's not a betting podcast. Generally speaking, we talk about FanDuel as far as far as context is concerned, but it's usually not a good sign when you're not covering spreads. And that means you're underachieving according to what the market believes that you're going to do. And look, if you go through the wins the Hawks have had in the last several weeks, they haven't beaten a good team other than that. Actually, they beat the Nets at home in that wild game that we talked about. It was exactly two weeks ago. That's their best win in the last three or four weeks was that was that very narrow overtime home win against the Nets. Other than that, the Hawks beat the Spurs on the road. Yeah, it was on the road, but still it's the Spurs. They beat the Wizards on the road, and then they beat the Pistons on the road in a game I was at. And then they, the, last, the last one before that, other than the Nets win, was in, was in Mexico City against the Magic. So, yes, they've won the games that they were really, really supposed to win, and you want to avoid bad losses for sure. But the Hawks have also lost some games that they probably needed to win. Like tonight's a good example. Like in a vacuum, is that a terrible loss? No, of course it's not. They're a three and a half point favorite at home against a team that's comparable to them. But they were right there and they could have won this game and they didn't. And that's very similar to what happened against the Knicks earlier this year. It's what happened against the Pacers in that wild, you know, 300 point game where the Hawks were right there the whole night and then just lost at the end. Um, it's happened too many times to this team so far this year. And yes, their metrics are better than their record, et cetera. I'm not, the sky's not falling, but if you want to look at nine, nine and 11, be frustrated. I totally understand that because while I do think it's worth keeping in mind that they don't, they don't have any terrible losses. They don't have great wins. They have a couple early in the season and that four game winning streak when they, you know, that magic win and Mexico City was a nice one. They actually beat the wolves in impressive fashion. They beat the bucks on the road. Those are, those are good wins, but that, that's a long time ago. Now recently they've beaten only bad teams. And then they had a close point against Brooklyn. So, um, frustration boiling over. I know we'll come back to it later on, but obviously some referee frustration in this game that was controversial. Um, and yeah, the Hawks didn't get a friendly whistle at the end of this game. That's I think fair to say, um, not just the last possession, but a couple of, a couple of plays, but you know, don't leave the game to be that close. And the Hawks, I'm sure, you know, introspectively when watching film, they could have done things better and we'll kind of leave, we'll kind of leave it there for now. It was a unsatisfying night. Um, and one of those games that the Hawks just kind of needed to steal and they, and they were not able to steal it in this game. All right, we'll have more on this game coming up, but first, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is sponsored by eBay Motors and our partners over there at eBay Motors to team up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're preparing for a daily draft, of course, we're scouting the waiver wire in your fantasy league. Every week, we're actually going to provide you with some players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us this week on the edition of eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. As always, there's a full list of guys from Josh, but we'll pick one to highlight on this podcast. It's going to be Bulls forward Patrick Williams. Williams had a really brutal start to the season and actually lost a starting spot in Chicago, but he's been back in the lineup now for the last four, five, six games in a row. He's scoring, and he's been scoring a little bit more in those games, and he has some upside if he's going to play real minutes. I think people kind of overlook him a little bit now because he had been out of the rotation a little bit, and he's been kind of a, a draft bust in terms of the actual NBA. But Chicago's going to blow it up probably in the near future, if I, if I had to guess. And he was, he's probably not going to be a part of that blow up. I mean, he's, he's on the younger side, et cetera. He, he'll make some threes for you, some steals, some blocks without killing you other places. And it's possible that some managers in your fantasy league have not caught back up yet with the fact that he is starting and playing a more prominent role again after being out of the mix. And again, Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your championship in fantasy this league, this season. And eBay members of the championship team is actually about each player being a perfect fit for your roster. By the way, it's the same for your vehicle. I'm on the road a ton for work, including right now, and going to Hawks games all over the place. And really, there have been times where I've actually needed to find upgrades for my car or even just to fix a part or two that keep things running on the rails. And eBay Motors is the best possible place to do that. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you can make sure your car or truck stays running smoothly. They have things like brake kits and LED lights and roof racks and bumpers and whatever your vehicle happens to need, eBay Motors has it for you. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That is ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we'll dive in now to what you're inspired in this one as far as the game flow is concerned. Uh, I thought the other Hunter actually had a strong start in this game, scored the first five points. He definitely had uh, cooled off after that. He was not efficient in this game after those first couple buckets at the rim. Um, Capella had a huge block on Cam Thomas in the first few minutes. I thought he was effective in rim protection throughout this game. Uh, I thought Trey got to his spots a lot early on with the Nets kind of playing some more drop coverage. He was setting up good shots for teammates. Not always They were not always made in this game. I thought Trey was kind of in control offensively for the most part. Uh, and then defensively, it was kind of a strong start that continued for the most part in the entire game. They, they allowed zero buckets at the rim in the first like seven or eight minutes of the game. Um, the Nets were hot from three, but they could not make it two in the early going. Um, in fact, in the first quarter, we'll sort of fast forward a little bit here. The Nets were six of nine from three and two of 14 from two. That's a crazy ratio uh, in that particular direction. Um, rotationally, it was the same rotation coming out of the three-day break. I thought they might go back to AJ in this game after some practice time, but that did not happen. Um, and for the record, if you're a new listener or a recurring listener, I don't love that AJ's not playing. I, I do kind of understand what they're doing there as far as like winning the game that day, but I think that AJ should be more of a priority than he's been so far, um, and I'll just leave it there for now. But, uh, you know, Bogey, Garrison Matthews, Akongwu, and Wes Matthews were the bench units in this game. Um, Wes played eight, 11 minutes, Garrison only seven. So they played seven guys as far as, like, the fermentation guys. The other two were kind of just more on the periphery in this game. The Hawks were fouling a ton early on. In fact, there was, a, there was a ton of fouls in the first quarter. It was kind of a slog. It was a flagrant one on Murray on a closeout against Bridges. Um, they gave up 12 free throws attempts in the first 10 minutes that the Hawks. Uh, it just took forever. That entire quarter did. Um, the Hawks were down by two, despite all of that. There were 23 throw attempts, etc. Um, the Hawks did play the two-center lineup twice in this game, once in both halves. And as it has been, both times, well, actually all three times they've kind of used it extensively, it's been pretty good defensively and pretty bad offensively in a small sample size. Still the case here on this on this night. Um, still kind of a slog. Again, I'm, not, I'm going to probably repeat, repeat this a couple more times. No one had control of this game at any point. The Hawks were up by seven, I think, twice, but it was never like – secure at all no one led by more than three the entire second quarter for instance um the hawks actually won the second quarter despite scoring 23 points which never happens for this team in particular i thought it was the best defensive half the hawks had played probably i don't even know how long at least a month um and they were still fine in the second half they were, they were ever even better in the first half brooklyn shot the ball well from three and still only scored almost exactly one point one point per possession in the first half the hawks were really solid um they were good at forcing mid-rangers, contesting them. They forced eight turnovers. They were very effective after they stopped fouling, basically, in the first quarter. Um, on the other hand, the offense was pretty rough, as discussed earlier. They were 3-15 from three in the first half, including 0-7 from Trey, Bogey, and Hunter combined. They didn't actually make a three in the whole quarter, and they still won the quarter. Uh, they did have five assists each from Trey and DJ in the first half. Here's a crazy stat that I don't want to forget to say. Um, I haven't talked about this a lot because it's kind of a weird streak, but Trey now has five assists or more in 126 consecutive games, which obviously is a lot of games. So Hawks PR had this. It's the sixth longest streak in the history of the NBA. And Trey is not just getting five. Like, he's usually getting well above five. So 
don't know if he's gonna break that record. It's obviously a, a long way out, but um, anything, anytime you were in the top six of a streak in NBA history, it's kind of worth throwing out there every once in a while. Anyway, in the second half, the Hawks did lead by seven. I guess I mentioned before in the third quarter, they had a nine-two run. Murray had triple double watch. Didn't get there, but he was kind of on pace for a while. Um, a couple of weird foul calls in this one. Trey was in disbelief at a call where Bay got called for a foul on Bridges where he didn't really make contact with him outside of maybe his foot grazing him, but uh, no challenge there. Um, the Nets that had their biggest run of the game, a 12-3 push in the third quarter where Bridges got going and he was going and going and going the rest of the second half. Um, the Hawks have seemingly gone away from lineups with Bay at the four. Uh, at, least, at least they did tonight. Um they had been going with Bay at the four with Hunter off the floor. And tonight it was actually West Matthews for one spell at the four and the two center lineup the rest of the time. So that's at least notable to me because I think Bay's defense they've kind of uh, maybe seen was has not, has not been good enough at that spot. Um, a little bit of a scary moment actually in the third quarter with Bogey holding his knee at one point. Um, mercifully, the replay show that he, he just banged knees, which definitely hurts, but is not a huge issue, we hope, at this point. And he looked okay after that, but certainly was in some pain at that moment in time. And the Hawks were up by one going into the fourth quarter. Um, a, a weird stretch in the fourth where they played the two the two center lineup with Trey, Bogey, and Bay, which is what, what you kind of have to do offensively to have enough juice. But there were back-to-back turnovers involving a Kongwu where Trey threw the ball on a line to a pass that like normally a shooter would be in the corner, and that's where Kongwu was. But he started to cut in a way that he wasn't necessarily comfortable doing. And then they also uh, had him step out of balance on the next possession to the Kongwu. And um, there are some challenges. Like, there's a reason why the Hawks have not used that lineup of Capella and Okongwu together a lot, and it's not because of the defense. In fact, defensively, that is their best. I mean, especially without Jalen, that's their best possible four-five pairing. But offensively, it gives them issues. Like, I know Okongwu has been kind of a stretcher of a shooter at this point in time, but a, he's not making jumpers. Uh, but beyond that, he's just not used to that role. He's not played any of that role in the NBA, and that was kind of evident early in the fourth quarter during that stretch. In fact, I only played that lineup for two minutes because it was kind of just like they couldn't score. Um, and yeah, they finally made some threes in the middle of the fourth quarter. Bay and Bogey made a couple in a row, and uh, they closed with the starters. Like I could go through the entire play by play, and I won't do that now. But uh, with about three minutes to go, Capella had a huge block on Bridges um, and got the rebound to start a fast break that led to Trey hitting a three for the lead. And it was still just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, Dinwiddie hit a three, go up by three for Brooklyn. That was a big shot. Uh, but then Trey found Capella for a dunk to get it back within one. With two minutes to go, um, Snyder said post game that he thought Capella got fouled. I agree. Uh, should have been a three point play opportunity for Clint. Obviously, he could have missed it because he's not a great free throw shooter. But uh, that was a notable missed call, um, the first of many, at least you know part of the many uh, that were missed. But the Bridges scored, um, and then Trey missed one. In fact, the Hawks were teetering a little bit. They were down three, and the Nets had the ball with about ninety seconds to go, and they had to get, they had to get a stop there. If they didn't, they were going to be in deep trouble. They finally got one. Um, then Trey got down and missed, uh, actually made a floater. Trey had a nice strip on Dinwiddie actually after that. Um, there was a weird play where Bay followed up a Murray miss and kind of pseudo dunked it, but he was grabbing, grabbing the rim was foul. They called basket interference, but they ended up leaving the foul. So he had, he got two free throws, made it both to take the lead with 35 seconds to go. Um, I thought the Hawks might go to a different lineup defensively, but they didn't actually, it was just, it was just the starters. And then. They, they allowed a backdoor layup that was just way, way, way too easy in that spot with 30 seconds to go. Um, you never 100% know, but it looked like it was a miscommunication. Like there was just like someone expecting to be somewhere else. And they just it was it was involving Murray and Hunter. Not what you want to see there. And then Trey missed a very, very open 13-foot jumper for the lead. So that was a bad sequence, obviously. Then they had to foul. They brought in a Kongwu to rebound. Uh, did we did, did miss the second free throw. And they la- actually allowed the Hawks to go only down by two. With 22 seconds to go, they called timeout. 
They put Bogey in for Bay. I thought Bogey didn't play enough in the second half of this game, notably, just as a something to mention there. But then Trey had a very tough shot. Trey, after missing a wide-open jumper, um, the next possession hits a step-back three that even Quinn acknowledged was like a really tough shot, a star-level shot. He makes it to go for the lead. Um, but on the other end of the floor, Hunter actually does a pretty good job. If you watch the possession back defensively, Hunter on Bridges, it's a great defensive job by Hunter, but Bridges is just really good. And he made a shot over him for the lead with about four, four and a half seconds to go. By the way, Bridges had 23 in the second half. He was just excellent in, this, in the second half. He, he just was. Um, the Hawks had one more chance, and I'm sure everybody's seen this play by now, but with four and a half seconds to go, I was, I was actually surprised. It took Capella out, which I understand, obviously, because um, you don't want to have to get fouled or something like that. But I, I think I would have gone with a Kongwu, especially when I saw the play they ran. So they ran a play to kind of get a handoff to Trey, but there was no real like resistance on the screen, etc. cetera. Uh, if that was a Kongwu, maybe he's more comfortable there. But regardless, um, the big controversy is that Trey thought he got fouled, uh, very obviously. And there was some contact. I don't think it was egregious, like ridiculously bad no call, but it was certainly could have been a foul. And I think it probably was a foul. Um, especially in Atlanta, uh, for one thing. Um, and also, Trey almost made a crazy, like, heave shot after he got what he thought was fouled. Um, but he misses it, and as soon as the game, as soon as the buzzer ends for the Hawks to lose the game, both Quinn and Trey were visibly incensed. Now, part of that's, I'm sure, just emotion of losing a game that they wanted to win. But, um, you know, Trey was finger in the face of the official. Like, they were not happy. Um, post-game, Quinn did a decent job kind of avoiding the meltdown. I thought he might come in and take a fine, honestly. I, I thought that might happen. Um, it didn't in this game. He did mention that he thought Trey was fouled. Um, you know, Trey obviously thought he was fouled as well. Um, it is what it is. That's a uh, that's one possession of the game. Obviously, it's high profile because they could they would have won the game. Uh, I think it's probably safe to assume that Trey makes at least one or two, uh, if not both, in that spot. But um, yeah, they just it was the narrowest possible game. I know I said it before, but 43 lead changes and the Hawks just lost that one at the end of the game. So uh, if this game is one more, one more possession long, maybe they win it, et cetera, but it, it wasn't, and uh, they go down as discussed previously. All right, we'll have more on this when it comes to the player-by-player -player evaluations in this game, but first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You should never have to worry about buying tickets to a big event. And with Game Time, you actually never have to worry. They have last-minute deals on tickets for football or basketball or baseball or concerts or comedy or theater and many more events. And it's incredibly easy to navigate to find about tickets for any event in your area with the Game Time app. They have zone deals for an average of 80% savings. And at Game Time, you can see the view for the seats and the venue that you're looking for. That's a huge perk. It helps you to know exactly what to expect when you arrive at the venue. They have all-in pricing, and that is very favorable because you actually know your total up front without any of the hidden fees that other places might attach. And they have peace of mind with Game Time, which is incredibly valuable for me, and I know it will be for you as well. And the Game Time Guarantee means you always get the best possible price. Take all the guesswork out of buying tickets right now by using the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app right now. Create an account. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, to the player-by-player -player evaluations. And as I said before, the bench was not a strength in this game, other than, I would say, Bogdanovich in some ways. But we'll start with Garrison Matthews. Seven minutes off the bench, did not score. Um, three fouls, rebound, one steal. Didn't take a shot. Had a turnover, though. Um, I don't think Garrison was as bad as this, but I don't think that he should be, A, playing over, over Griffin, B, if he's going to play seven minutes, he's got to shoot the ball. Garrison Matthews is a guy who competes defensively. 
I'll give him that. He's definitely a hustle guy. He'll get in there and, you know, muck it up a little bit, draw some charges, et cetera. But he overfouled in this game. And, like, he's on offense. He is a threat as a, shoot, as a shooter, so he's got to take shots if he's going to play. So um, he was the worst plus minus in the game. I don't think it was all about him getting massacred, but there were minus 10 in his minutes, and obviously that was a big swing. So um, that did not go well in this game. Wes Matthews, 11 minutes, four points, had a steal and a rebound. I thought he played fine, honestly. That's the line, made four free throws. Um, misses only three-pointer, but I thought Wes was uh, physical and solid, and I think that he continues to give them some much-needed physicality and strength and depth and toughness, et cetera. He's not great. I, I, I will certainly acknowledge that, even as someone who will um, enjoy his work. But um, he is doing what they need him to do right now without Jalen Johnson. I think without with, with Jalen, you don't need to play Wes Matthews all that much. But without, without him, they just need more defensive firepower, and he kind of provides that. So I thought he was fine in this game. I thought Kongwu struggled um, for the most part. There were a couple of flashes along the way, for sure. Uh, did have nine rebounds, go on with uh, two assists and a steal, but had two points on five shots, um, one steal, four fouls in 24 minutes. Um, inefficient, kind of weird. You know, I, I will give him a, sort of a pass about the minutes at the four because it's not really what he's going to be able to do, but – I don't think he was particularly good in this game on offense or on defense. Defensively, he was probably better than offensively and rebounded better than usual, but I don't, he didn't look comfortable to me at all. And I thought Capella was like notably better in this game, um, for instance. Uh, Bogey had a big second half where he made some shots, um, ended up with 20 points on 15 shooting possessions. So he was three of five on twos and four of nine on threes, four rebounds and an assist. No turnovers. I thought Bogey was very effective offensively. Defensively, you know, he was competitive. Um, I'll say that. But I thought um, he probably should have played more. That was stretch. That's what I would say. And it's just a reminder that, again, I know I say it all the time, but Bogey is really good offensively. Like, he's one of the better sixth men, if not, in my mind, maybe the best primary sixth man in the league offensively. He is so good um, when he's healthy, and he was looking good in this game. Uh, to the starters. Again, I mentioned they were all in the positive in the game they lost. That is uh, tough to swallow, I'd imagine. Um, Hunter, I thought, was not awesome. Uh, he was okay. 14 points, four rebounds, two assists, one turnover, no steals, no blocks. Um, he was 6-15 for the floor, so he was inefficient as, as a scorer. He didn't really uh, do a lot defensively. You know, I thought he was okay one-on-one -on -one for the most part, but he was not his uh, most impactful, I don't think, defensively in this game. Uh, but I thought he was, like, fine. Um, Sadiq Bey, I thought, actually played as well as he has in a long time as far as the overall play is concerned. Offensively, 21 points on 13 shots. He was 4 of 7 on 2, 3 of 6 on 3, got the line 4 times, 7 rebounds, had an assist, um, plus 9 at game best there. And then defensively, like I don't think he, I don't think he was good, but he was better than he has been. I thought he was more attentive, more physical, and that was one of the reasons why the Hawks were better in this game because Sadiq's been, if not the most glaring weak, weak spot for the last couple of weeks, high on the list. And I thought um, it coincided with him being better, helped helped the team be better defensively. I thought Sadiq was good in this game, which is like capital G good, and that's that's good to see. Uh, Capella, I, I thought was pretty good. He actually he actually fouled a lot in this game, way more than usual. But nine points, twelve rebounds. Two blocks for Clint in 29 minutes, four six on the floor, um, plus three. I thought he was just his normal self. He was he was good. Uh, he was good defensively, good anchoring around the rim. The Hawks were better when he played than when he didn't. And uh, yeah, just nothing, not a whole else to add. I think a couple of like highlight plays defensively, and uh, he was part of their uh, improvement there. Uh, Trey Dejounte, interesting games there. Dejounte got a lot of attention positively for his triple double bid in this game. I thought he didn't play that well. Honestly, he was better early than he was late, like a lot of guys maybe were. But 13 points on 16 shots, not great. Um, no further attempts, 
in this one. That's not great either. They have 10 rebounds and nine assists. Obviously, you can't fake nine assists, so that's that's helpful. But I, I don't think that he played as well as the triple-double pursuit would indicate. Um, defensively, I thought he was probably better than he usually is, to be honest. But offensively, I thought he kind of bogged them down at different times in this game. And I, I thought he was probably responsible for some of the bench um, unease when he was kind of leaving those years without, without Trey in this one. So I thought he was okay. He was not um, great, despite the fact that he nearly had a triple-double. And then Trey had an interesting game. So 30 points. Nine assists for Trey. Had two blocks credited to him. I think one of those probably should have been a steal. But still, he was active defensively. He was 8-15 on twos. He was uh, three of nine from three is not great, but it's not terrible. Um, obviously had the one bad miss from mid-range, and then obviously the game winner that was a possible shot in the air, but he made the big three to keep him alive late with the step back. Um, I thought Trey was in control offensively for the most part in this game, uh, but I don't think he had his best offensive game either. I thought it was like a... B minus trade game, which is kind of funny for a guy who had 39, 30 points and nine assists. But I thought he was just okay by his standards, despite the fact that he was kind of in control. He just didn't have his efficiency going in this one. And defensively, he was competitive for sure. I thought he was better than usual there. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's nobody was awful in this game, um, other than maybe Matthews and like I think a Kongwu was not very good by his standards. Um, Murray and Hunter were probably below below their normal baseline, I would say. At least Hunter was. Murray, you know, give and take, depending on what you want to look at. But uh, yeah, just not nobody was nobody was outstanding either. Other than other than Bay, who I thought was like legitimately good, and maybe Clint, um, you know, Trey was just kind of you know normal Trey. So is, I could go on go on about this even further. This is a game that um, if the Hawks had not been losing for a while, would be less would be less frustrating if you could kind of just take the game out and put it into a vacuum. But you can't do that, and they all know it. And nobody's having fun right now after three day break. And um, as we look ahead now, briefly before we get out of here. They have a tough, tough spot on Friday. So the NBA attention will be on Las Vegas for the semifinal of the in-season tournament on Thursday. And then the league continues its play beyond that on Friday where the Hawks have a rescheduled game against Philadelphia on the road, which uh, is one of the five toughest matchups in the league, probably, um, given the fact that it's in Philadelphia. Uh, assuming that Philly is healthy and playing everybody. But, uh, you know, Philly won tonight in Washington uh, in a high-scoring game. But um, that's one where, like, obviously it's winnable for the Hawks, but they're, they're going to be underdogs in that game. No question about that. And uh, we'll see if they can steal one on the road in that game. Uh, PSA, by the way, before I get out of here, that if you're a new listener or if you have not um, found this out just yet, if you are a subscriber to the Hawks, to this podcast, I should say, Lockdown Hawks, on an audio-only feed like Apple or Spotify, there's also some bonus content happening in the audio-only feeds. So don't be surprised by that. They actually, bon- uh, they're these bonus shows, they're postcasts and Atlanta Basketball Party episodes from the Lockdown Podcast Network and also from Locked On Sports Atlanta. So just some extra content there. I am not doing any less. Keep that in mind. So uh, just more, 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 nothing uh, nothing that you are uh, you know going to be losing from me. So keep that in mind. Just some bonus stuff for you to enjoy. And please, please, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Overcast on the audio side, YouTube on the video side, where I'd also love if you would like the show and subscribe to the show and comment and do all that fun stuff as well. All that helps to uh, grow the podcast. And uh, as a favor to me, Please tell a friend about this podcast. If you enjoy it, if you know a Hawks fan friend in your life that has not found the show yet, please share it with them, and hopefully they will check us out on a regular basis as well. Ratings and reviews appreciated. Also follow us on Twitter slash X at Locked on Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland. I also write about the Hawks at patreon.com slash BT Roland. With all that said, we'll wrap it up now. If there's no big news, I'm going to hold off on another podcast until after the game on Friday, so stay tuned for all of that. One more time, please subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you after the game on Friday.